Okay, we're ready to begin. <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> so the Jewish people are now going to travel forth from the sea, where they had seen these tremendous miracles, and they're going to begin the journey of the Jewish people in the desert. Obviously, many, many stories coming up. Torah tells us, Moshe had to forcibly force the Jewish people to travel. They didn't want to leave the Sea of Reeds. Why not? Because there was a lot of wealth at the Sea of Reeds, as we mentioned, I think, in passing. The custom back then was when you went to war, you went with all of your jewelry, and you went with diamonds and gold adorned on your chariots to show your confidence of victory, to prove your strength. So when the Egyptian uh, soldiers and their chariots were spit up from the uh, ocean, the Jews are busy stripping all the wealth and all the gold and all the, uh, all the uh, weapons of the Egyptians they were taking with them. In fact, that the, the Jews collected, each person got like 10 donkeys worth of, uh, of, of valuables from what they were collecting at the splitting of the sea. And so Moshe had to say, guys, we're on a journey. Remember, we're going to Mount Sinai. Keep on moving. We're on the itinerary here. We're on the schedule. Keep on going. So they travel from the Red Sea of Reef and they come to a place called Mara. And there in Mara, they had no water to drink. Why not? There was water there. But the water that was there was bitter. It was not drinkable. Showed you one beautiful thought. It says that the, we couldn't drink. Kimarim heim because, the wa- kimarim heim because they were bitter. And normally we translate it as what was bitter? The water. But you could also read it. Kimarim heim they, the Jews were bitter. And because they were bitter, the water they tasted, tasted bitter. They had to be sweetened up. That's fine. When, you, when you're in a bitter mood, everything, have a great day. And everything is bitter. <clears throat> so what does God do? The nation complains to Moshe saying, what will we drink? So he cries out to God. And Hashem says to Moshe, take this tree and throw it into the water. When he threw it into the water, the water became sweet. And there God teaches the Jews some of the laws of the Torah, the seven Noahide laws, the laws of Shabbos, the laws of the red cow, the paraduma, etc. What was the stick that God told Moshe to throw into the water? Of course, the different opinions. This the, I think the Medrash of the Gemara says it was an olive, a branch of an olive tree, which is a very bitter, bitter wood, a very bitter branch. So by throwing a bitter tree into the bitter water, that transformed it from bitter water into sweet water. Some say it was a poisonous tree, some kind of poisonous branch that was used to miraculously transform the water. The point was to show that it's not a natural, like, you know, uh, putting in sweet and low. We need more sweet and low, right? To put in uh, some sweet and low and make the water sweet. It was God's way of proving his power that even the bitter water can come sweetened with a bitter stick. Zohar says that it was a tree of tree of life. When it says a tree, it was a branch of the Eitzachai, the tree of life. That's in the Zohar. Anyway, so then God says to Moshe to tell the Jews that if you will listen to the voice of Hashem, and you'll do the proper thing and listen to his commandments, etc. And all of the illnesses I put upon Egypt, I will not put upon you. And even those illnesses that you do get will be taken away. Because I am Hashem who heals you. Meaning, if you follow the ways of Hashem, then I will be with you. I will protect your preventative medicine, so to say. I will prevent the, sin, the illnesses from coming upon you. And those that do, I will be the one who will heal you. <clears throat> the Jewish people spend that's a very important message the healing doesn't come from doctors doesn't come from medicine doesn't come from it comes from Hashem just like the bitter stick made the bitter water sweet Hashem is the one that heals, the Jew, heals us when we are ill 
after six days of camping at Mara and learning these laws that God gave over there, the Jewish people would continue journeying forth on Rosh Chodesh Eir, the first day of the month of Eir. They come to a place called Elim. And there in Elim, or in English, Elima, they find uh, 12 springs of waters for the 12 tribes and 70 day palms corresponding to the 70 elders of Israel. And so they hang out over there for 10 days. They have water, they have date trees, they're happy. On the 11th day of year, they continue to travel and they come to the desert of Sin, Midbar Sin, the desert of Sin. And they stop at a place called Dafka. This is on the 13th day of the month of Eir. And then they go to Alush. That's the journey. They come to Alush. And when they come to Alush, it is Shabbos, the 15th day of Eir, exactly 30 days after the Jewish people had left Egypt on the 15th of Nisan. On the following morning, now it's the 16th day of the month of Eir, so the 31st morning after they had left Egypt, the Jewish people finished eating the last piece of matzah that they had brought with them from Egypt. Yum, yum, yum. 30 days straight for breakfast and dinner, they ate matzah. By the way, it's a lot of leftover matzah to bring with you for the last 30 days, but we won't go into that right now. They had enough matzah to eat for 30 days, and now they run out of all the provisions that they had brought. And although, first of all, they hadn't brought like good food with them. They hadn't like prepared properly. But now, even, and that's what it says, God prays to the Jewish people for following him to the desert unprepared. But now we literally had nothing. We'd finished the very last food we had. And so even though the Jewish people were not yet hungry, they just eaten. But as you can imagine, they became afraid. Panic sets in. Oh, what will be? What will be? We don't have food for tonight. How are we going to survive? And they come to Moshe to complain. But they don't come in this way and say, Moshe, you know, you have connections with God. You've already proven your power. You split the sea. You just took the bitter waters of Marah and made them taste sweet. And can you get us some food? They should have done that. And if they would have done that, Hashem would have been very happy with them. Instead, they failed the test. They already failed the test by Marah when they complained and they had no water. They complained. They said, what will we drink? That was a complaint. Here they come even worse. And they say, to, they, they, rather, they spoke bad over there too. They said, you know, uh, they had no water. But here they come to Moshe and they say as follows. If only we had died at the hand of God in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. But you have taken us out of this desert to starve this entire congregation to death. Those are harsh words to say, especially to a guy that just, you know, did all those miracles for you to say we, two things here. Number one, this like, this like sentimental uh, memories of sitting in Egypt where we sat by the meat of, 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 of the flesh pot, the pot of meat. Now, it's hard to imagine that when the Jews were slaves in Egypt, that they were sitting and eating lots of meat by the pot, like, you know, enjoying a good life. They were slaves who were being abused and tortured and not just being forced to work hard, they were being dehumanized and demoralized. So obviously they didn't actually eat the meat in Egypt. <laughs> the Egyptians were eating the meat while they were whipping the Jews to make them work. The Egyptians were fressing, they were having barbecues, they were enjoying life. They were whipping and, and, you know, and torturing the Jewish people. And now the Jewish people are saying, we, we, we yearn for, we remember the days when we used to be able to sit in Egypt and watch, see the, the meat boiling in the pot while our Egyptian masters were eating and we were slaving away. Instead, and they threw us some scraps. You know, probably, like, you, know, you give the dogs over, they gave us some, some scraps and we, we, we managed to survive. We had food, to, we had bread to eat. Notice 
we had bread. We look at the word. The Hebrew. I'm translating. It's hard, but you should understand. They didn't eat the the meat. So we sat by the pot of flesh. We sat by the pot of flesh. And we ate bread to be satisfied. They didn't eat the meat. The Hebrew is very clear. They saw the Egyptians eating meat. They only got bread. They got like nothing. They got scraps in comparison to what their Egyptian masters were eating. And yet they, 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 they yearned for it. So the panic of not having food did to them. And therefore they complained to Moshe. They don't just say, give us bread. How will we survive? We'll do a miracle for us. Rather, said to Moshe, why did you bring us out to this desert? Lahamis, to kill, to starve to death. This entire congregation. Understand? The lack of faith over here is terrible. Terrible. Yes. What is the cause that the people are seeming so ungrateful and that they're kind of remembering these terrible times when they were slaves as being happier times? This is an excellent question. Let me repeat your question. What is the reason why the Jews are so ungrateful and they're sitting here with this highly skewed, inaccurate remembrance of the quote-unquote good old times of Egypt? You would think they would be happy to have been free and happy to become free people and they would appreciate the blessings that God had given to them, you would think. And here we come to the greatest story, the greatest, the most important part of understanding the story of the exodus of Egypt, which is not only that the Jewish people had to be physically taken out of the geographical location called the country of Egypt, the land of Egypt, and brought to a new land called the land of Israel, the slavery mentality, the physical, physical the, the, the psychological bondage that had permeated into the mindset of the Jewish people had to be taken out of them. So there's two parts of the Exodus, taking the Jews out of Egypt and taking Egypt out of the Jews. Taking the Jews out of Egypt is pretty easy. Yeah, I take this, I move it here. So God came, he took the Jews and he moved them. Now they're out of Egypt. To take Egypt out of the Jews, that's a difficult process. And in fact, this generation will never fully leave the Egypt within themselves, which is why, we're going to skip ahead now for a second, they won't make it into the land of Israel. Ten times, ten times, this is time number four, ten times the Jewish people will be faced with a challenge of faith, and ten times they will fail the t- challenge. And it's like you can't, you, know, you can't go to the next grade if you keep on failing your tests. Eventually reaches a point where the Jews have failed so many tests consistently, with every time where they're challenged, that they give up, and therefore they don't merit to enter the land of Israel, they end up dying in the desert, and a new generation takes over because they have proven that they don't have the inner strength and the inner sense of confidence to be able to fight for their freedom and to conquer the land of Israel from their enemies. Let's understand something. In order to fight for freedom, you have to feel a sense of independence, a sense of of autonomy, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Autonomy that I am free to choose how to live my life. What is the definition of a slave? The opposite. The opposite. A slave is the master controls the slave. A master tells a slave what to do, when to do, how to do, what to eat. Even when, when you work for somebody else, today you go get a job, right? And you get paid. So even though when you're working, your boss is the one that tells you what to do during the time you're working, how to work and what to do and why to do it, but you can choose to work or not to work. You have the choice. Then they say to the boss, I'm not interested anymore, and find a different worker to scream at, except, right? Definition of a slave means that you don't have that freedom to choose whether or not to go to work. You, you, you are inherently surrendered to the will of your master. 
the Jewish people had to prove that they were going to become not slaves of Pharaoh, slaves of another human being, but be free from another person in order to truly serve God. Every single time that they were challenged, they reverted back to the sense of helplessness. The lack of faith really is a feeling of helplessness. Instead of feeling trust in Hashem, they feel incapable of taking care of themselves or incapable of trusting Hashem to take care of them. And so they revert back to, I remember the food that our Egyptian masters ate in Egypt. They didn't eat it. They didn't eat it. The masters ate it. They ate bread. But they had lost the ability. They had been taken from them over decades and decades of slavery to feel a sense of autonomy, to be able to feel independent from what was given to them. So Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to bring down bread, min hashemayim, lechem, bread from the heavens, and I'm going to bring down the birds that they'll eat meat, the quail, that they'll have meat to eat. So I'm going to give them both bread, and I'm going to give them what's called slav, I'm going to give them quail, which will be another discussion. And they will go out every single day in order to gather the food that I will give them, and they will only get the food that they need for that day. When they go out to collect the food, how much will they collect? Collect exactly what they need for that day. They will not be allowed to have anything over to the next day. Why? Says the Torah, "Leman anasenu," in order for me to test them whether or not they will follow my teachings faithfully. Simply means follow my teachings to not leave over bread for the next day. But it's the same idea. They have to be inculcated with a sense of faith and trust in Hashem that even though they will go to sleep at night and there'll be no food in the pantry. You know, that feeling of no food in the fridge. It's a scary feeling. I'm going to leave that, have that feeling every night, go to sleep with no food. Confident, sleep, able to sleep, knowing that in the morning God will provide for me again. God will give me food to eat. That was the test of the, of the man that the Jewish people would have to overcome. And then God tells them, in addition to this test of collecting the food every day, Hashem tells Moshe that on Friday, this is on Sunday, by the way, the first day of the most on the Sunday, that on Friday, the sixth day of the week, they will get a double portion that will be for both Friday and for Shabbos, the God. Now we're going to see in the next few verses that we're going to see in the next few verses. We're going to see in the next few verses that there's two different responses of Moshe to the Jewish people. One is a rebuke for the lack of faith, and one is going to be a logistical explanation of the fact that what's going to happen that there's going to be bread coming down. So verse six and seven. The Torah says, Moshe and Aaron together respond to the Jewish people. And then verse number 8 is going to be Moshe himself responding about the logistics. So let's just go through these two things. Let me explain it. Verse 6, Moshe and Aaron said to the Jewish people, Since you didn't have trust in Hashem, and since you spoke in such a negative way, saying, uh, you know, we're going to die and all that. And in addition, you asked for meat. When you don't even need meat, you have cattle. <laughs> the Jewish people... We know, left with tremendous amount of cattle, sheep, cows, oxen. They had meat. They had meat. So it wasn't even like that they didn't have food. They did, but they wanted God. Again, there's a slave mentality where if you don't give me food on a platter, I feel incapable of providing for myself because when they were slaves in Egypt, the Egyptians, as they were eating meat, threw us some bread. So we became comfortable waiting for someone to give us bread to eat. We don't know how to take care of ourselves and take our own cow and make it into food. Not logistically, doesn't how. In their brains, they couldn't compute the fact that they had cows with the fact that they had food. It's what slavery can do to a person. It can fundamentally alter your brain. So anytime a, when a person goes through extended periods of abuse, God forbid, it can have a, can have a permanent impact on their, 
on, on, their, on the way they think. So therefore they say to them, Arab in the evening, you will know that it is God who took you out of Egypt. He will give you the meat that you asked, but he's going to give it to you in the evening. When it's dark, it's hard to see, to show his displeasure with the fact that you ate, asked for meat when you had your own. On the other hand, uh, in the morning, you'll see the glory of Hashem, the request for bread. That was a legitimate request because they did not have bread. In addition, the very fact that you're asking God, at the end of the day, they're still asking God. So God will show his glory to you. And in the morning, you will see the manna, the bread, will be on the ground. And then you will know that Hashem is taking care of you. And you will see that God heard your complaints, will take care of you. However, we, me, what are we that you're complaining against us? You're putting your complaints in the wrong place. We're not the ones that give bread, it's all from Hashem. And then Moshe starts to speak to the Jewish people. The actual logistical need to tell the Jewish people to care for them and provide for the needs, this came in the merit of Moshe. So here the Moshe continues to respond to them. But here verse 8 says, Vayomer Moshe. And in fact, we know that the bread that came down every day for the Jewish people for the 40s of the desert was in the merit of Moshe. He says, you should know, in the evening God will give you bread. And in the morning, sorry, evening he'll give you the meat. To eat and in the morning, he'll give you the bread, lisbon, to be satiated, to be satisfied. Again, the meat was not to be satisfied. The bread will give you satisfaction because God has heard you. But why are you complaining to us? The fact that the Torah repeats this whole verse in the name of only Moshe and not Aaron is showing you that it's in the merit of Moshe that the bread came down. Anyway, comes the next morning. And what happens? In the evening, the quail came. That's another story. In the morning, the sun rose and the layer of dew was all over the camp. There was dew on the ground. On top of the dew was the mun, the bread from heaven. On top of that was a leather layer of dew that protected the, the mun from on the bottom from the insects, on the top from any bugs or whatever. It was totally protected. Like when you give someone a present, you give a gift wrapped. And there they gave them the thin crust of bread. They saw the, uh, the bread and they didn't know what it was. So each one says to his brother, mun who? Mun, Memnun, it is Mun. Why do they call it Mun? Because they did not know Ma, who, what it is. So they called it Mun because they didn't know what it is. Hence the name Mun, or in English, Mana, that they ate. And God says, it says to them, each one should gather as much as they need for their family, which is an Omer, which in English is about 2.5 liters or 2.6 quarts per person in your family. No one should take more. No one should take less. That's how much you should take. And guess what? Some took more. Some took less, and miraculously, everyone had exactly what they needed for their family. Those that were greedy and tried to take more, they didn't get more. And those that didn't grab, and they would trust in Hashem, they still had enough what they needed. Very important lesson from the month. You can, man, bread, represents parnasa, represents our food from heaven, right? Our money. Some people, they grab, they're greedy. They want more, and they want more, and they want they think, I'm going to get more, I'll have more. At the end of the day, you're going to have what God wants you to have. If you think you'll work less because you're praying or you're working on Shabbos and you're not going to work, so how will I have enough? Those who collected less, they had enough. Those who took a lot, didn't have a lot. They had what they needed. God provides off what we need. And uh, that's one of the many lessons of the, of the bread of heaven. We'll stop there. Well, there's more, but thank God we have tomorrow. And we'll continue.